Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. He smashed it. Say again? He hammered. He's hammered, mate. Listen to no, that. no, it's pretty, pretty sober. Fun come. It's Wednesday, which means it's time for the front free Q&A with me, Adam Bold, the one and only Chris Hennage. Good evening. Changed up there. Uh, it, it always surprises us on the mute whenever you do that, so you hear us go, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably should do it in the same way. And of course, David O'Brien up in Manchester. Dave, how Yeah, good. Very, very good after the result. Positive. Good. We're going to be talking about Manchester United versus Manchester City. We're going to be talking about all the EFL results and the draw for the next round. We're going to be taking your questions, as always, on a Wednesday. But, Dave, as you said, is that a well place to start? It is Manchester United 1, Man City 0. Arguably, Jose Mourinho needed that result more. What did you make of the performance and the win? Yeah, it was a very good performance. I think, uh, you know, every single player on the pitch, the 11 players that started and the substitutes were all excellent. I think Mourinho slightly tweaked his tactics. Something that I picked out on Dave Talks is that Mourinho needs to leave another player off to sort of break with Vlatan Ibrahimovic. And that's what Marcus Rashford did. He sort of was waiting for the counters and it, it combined very well with um, with Latan. number of times Latan just taking his time on the ball playing that through ball but it was it was a it was a better performance you know someone like Ander Herrera really giving United a lot of energy in midfield he's been playing deep in midfield as the as the number six but today he played sort of the eight role and was absolutely phenomenal his, his work rate his tireless kept on running kept on pressing and kept on causing City a lot of problems and I think this is where United need to go they just need to get some momentum it was a big result I think Pep Guardiola obviously coming into the Premier League uh, doesn't, it didn't seem like he really cared about the League Cup. Uh, you know, the, the team he played, you know, nine players um, that, you know, that would start for City weren't in that team tonight. But it's one of those things where he's never been, he's not really managed a side that has such a, like a big City rivalry um, to throw these games away. Because I think it meant a lot for the City fans, but obviously they, they came out uh, losers today. So I think it's one of those things where Pep Guardiola may need to understand the City of Manchester a little bit more. Hmm. That's an interesting, uh, interesting point. I mean, in terms of Guardiola, uh, for a second there, it is the first time he's ever gone six games without a win in his entire career, Dave. As you said, it may have not been their priority. I mean, he said as much himself uh, that the EFL Cup was the lowest priority for City. I mean, what did you make of the way he set up his team? And did, not, did you feel he didn't not throw it away, but that, you know, the, the United put out such a strong team that City were always going to struggle? It was a weird one. It was sort of like he set them up in a 4-4-2. You know, uh, Leroy Sane was playing off uh, Ian Acho. 
And it's not really Guardiola-esque in a way. You know, he had no control in midfield. United completely bossed that area. And, you know, went through spells of the game where they dominated possessions. Something you wouldn't expect to happen against the Guardiola team. So the setup was interesting. Lito was very poor. Company was pretty poor on the ball, but defended quite well. You know, it was covering covering over a number of times that, you know, United had beaten the first tackle. But it was just a weird selection of um, Kolarov coming on in the second half at centre-back. Not the best player there. But United, you know, United did break them down and, and City just weren't good enough. And it was very un-Pep guardiola which was a bit strange. Chris, did you watch the game? My thoughts were it was a very cagey affair, which is, is what always happens with the derby. I, I think maybe the, the City players aren't as adaptable in terms of being able to, to put into different positions. I mean, Kolarov was put in central midfield, it looked like, from where I was watching. Um, I think there was positives for City to take. The positives was Mafio. I thought he was really handy. He could actually maybe even challenge Zabaleta at right back. But overall, I think you saw two managers with very different priorities. And Pep said himself, this was the fourth rated competition for him relative to his own goals. And Mourinho maybe needed that if you pardon the pun, little pep in terms of morale and everything. So he really went for it. And Man United were the, the better side, I would say, overall. Dave, Dave, what was, mm. the, um, what was the atmosphere like at Old Trafford? What, what were the fans feeling before? Because obviously you got absolutely trounced by Chelsea. And the worry would have been, obviously, because you were very confident maybe before the Chelsea game as well, that similar could have happened here. It was a little bit nervy. You know, United, the, the start, the United fans were really good. And then, you know, around... 10 minutes, they got a bit nervous. Then come 35 minutes when United put their foot on the ball and started to really dominate the game. You know, the fans got behind them. I mean, they got behind Mourinho, especially in the second half. Um, Mourinho's red army was, you know, one of the champs that was ringing around for the last 15 minutes over and over and over again. So I think it is, it's just getting these, you know, getting behind the team is a big thing for United fans. Obviously, they are used to such success, but one of the big things is they can't get, you know, when United are, do look nervy on the pitch, the fans shouldn't be pushing that across. You know, there were times where the hair was playing slow at the back and everyone, oh, play it forward, play it forward. You know, you don't, as a fan for me, I, I, I wouldn't be doing that thing. It's, you know, you want to be motivating the players, you want to be pushing them forward, you know, maybe supporting them in a way. And so, you know, it was a bit of a weird feeling, but then as soon as the goal went in, as soon as the second half came, United really put their foot down, then, you know, it was a very good atmosphere and, um, you know, credit to the United fans and credit to the City fans. Do you think there's vindication in terms of the way that Juan Mata plays? You obviously got the goal. Yeah, it's it, one that is an interesting one because he gives something that you don't really see on the telly. He's the one that's constantly running behind. It's his movement that he's really improved, and I think that's what he is now. He's not no longer like a playmaker that's going to step on the ball and is going to dictate the play. It's all of his movement off the ball, running and behind, and it gave United something else. It gave United a threat when Zlatan dropped. It wasn't just Rashford going behind, but it was one matter as well, and he took his goal very well. But I think credit to Zlatan Ibrahimovic for getting a lot of stick in the media this week because he's not taking his chances missed a big chance tonight but his performance was phenomenal I thought he was really good playing in between the lines in between the uh, Manchester City defence and, and midfield and getting the ball turning on it and taking his time the first maybe 15 minutes he was rushing everything then he slowed himself down you near know, the pass for Marcus Rashford that's one of the best passes I've seen this season you know a lovely little roll over the ball then a, a through ball with the outside of his foot it was, it was quality and it was you know it sort of summed up Zlatan's performance getting that assist and, and really contributing in the game Good. Um, Dave, what about, are you going to go to uh, Mourinho's hotel now? Maybe cheer him up a little bit? Yeah, I think we're going to go and have a bottle of uh, Portuguese red, I think. A port, maybe. A port. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, Dave, before you, before you go, what do you think of the draw for the next round? Uh, take yeah, on West good, Ham. it's a good draw. Um, West Ham, you know, they, they 
they've been struggling this year. A very good result today, but before that, they've been struggling a bit. So it's a good result, a good draw for Manchester United, especially considering they're going to be playing Al Trafford, and you know they will be up for it. And Mourinho does love the League Cup. Something that we always forget, Mourinho loves the League Cup. It's a momentum builder. You're in the League Cup, you kick on in the League. I think that's something that Mourinho's done at every single, you know, bit at Chelsea both times he was there. It's, it's, it's a positive thing for United. Again, it's, it's all about building mental and confidence. Again, Paul Pogba was so frustrating in the first half, was trying too much, wasn't playing the simple pass. Second half comes, hit the post, pushed out to the left wing, looked confident, looked good on the ball. And it's, it's one of those things that the whole United, all the, all the United players need confidence and, and this will give them confidence. Good stuff. Well, David, enjoy Manchester. I assume you're out on the on the lash. You going for a few pints, or is it taking it easy? Uh, a, few, a few beers. Obviously, uh, me and New Bolt hit, hit the town pretty hard in London yesterday, so I've been <laughs> been suffering all day long. Um, and yeah, and I'm I'm just back. I'm having a few. I'm having a quiet one tonight, but we never know where that will go. Must have missed that invite. <clears throat> <laughs> he was in the office. Of course he was. Uh, the TFR Towers. Adam, Adam just um, got Dave. angry because I went for lunch with someone else the other day and, and he, he gave me like a little emoji which said, I'm disappointed, <laughs> but I'll get you back. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Um, Dave, enjoy Manchester. We'll speak to you soon. Brilliant. Cheers, chap. Speak to Bye. Um, we also had Mourinho apologise. Why don't you make a highlight? Did you see that gesture? He did the little four nil and then a little sort of praying... Uh, praying gesture which I found bizarre yeah I guess he just sort of acknowledges that it was a little bit humiliating um, about a bad result and something maybe that United fans don't expect and I think he's just trying to get them back on his side um, so sure it's it's a hum- it's a it's a humble thing isn't it apparently you can be humble yes yeah who, who would have thought Jose Mourinho being humble um, back on Mourinho with the, the hotel issue you bring up there was a question uh, that came in uh, from Virginia Blue saying how hard is it to really live in a hotel? Stop the whinging, Moo. Um, now, for those who may not have seen this story, Lawrence, yeah. uh, can you explain what Virginia Blues is referring to? Well, Virginia's talking about uh, the, I think it was back on the back of the mirror, the, um, the, the paper, the mirror, not the actual mirror that Mourinho wrote this. Um, it was written for Mourinho in the back of the, the mirror, the newspaper. And basically he was saying, oh, I'm really unhappy. I'm away from my wife and my kids. Um, I'm living in a hotel. Uh, but, you know, it's not like he's in a travel lodge, all right? He's sort of, you know, he, he's in a nice hotel. It's not Alan Partridge. He's, he's not sort of, you know, yes. drying his pants in the microwave and stuff. He's actually in a very nice hotel. But I, I can kind of get it 50. He, what he's trying to do is show people what he's going through for Manchester United. Which I also don't get because why is he in a hotel when you can rent, and I'm sure Manchester United <laughs> have the power to rent much nicer houses in places where he could easily bed in and I think it sort of shows the status of Mourinho's life at the moment um, and the fact that you know he hasn't looked to bed in in Manchester yet which is unusual um, mm. you know considering he described it as, as a disaster I believe I my life in Manchester is, is a bit of a disaster yeah I think he I think he is someone who likes to create that sort of a, an illusion that things can be a bit of a struggle sometimes siege mentality for himself as well as his players um, and I also think he's trying to get people on his side by showing, look what I'm doing. There are things behind the scenes I think that are going on that maybe we can't talk about on the podcast, but that would maybe make you a little less sympathetic. And I think maybe whoever tweeted that would um, also allude to the fact that he is getting paid a lot of money to stay in a very nice hotel, which I'd imagine has its perks. Mm, like, you know, you pants in a microwave and stuff. Yeah, of course. It is a strange one for him to sort of... Uh 
sort of emphasise really, and you know, sort of painting his uh, picture of his life in, in a goldfish bowl. Almost, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to. I mean, sort it is in the goldfish bowl, but I also, I also do sort of wonder where the quotes come from, which camp they came from. Uh, you know, Mourinho is a very sort of apparently from my mind, he's become quite an up and down character at times, um, which maybe makes him sound slightly more volatile. Uh, and you know, being away from your family is hard. So you know, I, I think we can all probably sympathise with that. But I don't know. I don't know. I guess because Mourinho's misled so many people in the past, we're all sceptical of what he's actually saying now. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. The, the, the exact quote, which is bizarrely brilliant, was for me. It's a bit of a disaster because I want sometimes to walk a little bit, and I can't. I just want to cross the bridge and go for a restaurant. I can't. So it's really bad. But I do have apps where I can ask for food to be delivered. So there you go. Mourinho really there describing most most normal people's everyday life. <laughs> yeah. Just ordering it. Yeah. <laughs> Just get a delivery, get any roots. Um, Walter Smith uh, from Blue Moon Rising TV. Good guy. Lovely guy. He also said, did the Derby matter more to Manchester United or uh, more than City? Uh, I think it's fair to say, I think it's fair to say yes. I think Dave, it's an interesting point Dave writes or said there about how uh, maybe the City fans would have been disappointed. It feels uh, like they, the fans themselves maybe cared about the match because of the rivalry as opposed to the competition itself. Uh, obviously, Guardiola fielding a uh, much-changed team. Nine changes, I think, uh, a lot of youth players in there compared to the team that Mourinho put out with Pogba in there, with Matter, with some of the key stars. Uh, and I think United needed to win more because at the end of the day, City, although they were out winning six now, they are top of the table at the end of the day. I think Mourinho needed that for a little uh, a little boost, essentially. So Great. I'd say it matters in terms of maybe not the fan bases, because obviously that rivalry is, is, is so passionate, it's always going to matter. But in terms of who, 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 who did it matter more to in terms of result, I think it has to be Manchester United. Um, let's move on to the other big game tonight, then, shall we? Uh, West Ham winning 2-1. Um, Chelsea on the pitch Kristen did you manage to catch any of this game or did you manage to catch any of the highlights caught the goals good stuff yeah um, I mean Chelsea FC writes in saying should Chelsea really be concerned about the result tonight um, should they be concerned I mean West Ham losing is never great seems to put a great performance or I don't yes. address that to in particular <laughs> Yes, they should be really concerned. Should be uh, panicking and debating if Conte is really the right man and yes. are any of these players really right? Um, it's only days it's just, after that 4-0. Chris. It's, just, it's just such a mess, isn't it? He, he essentially tried a few different players looking at the starting line. He brought in Ola, Aina and Nathaniel Chalaba. I don't think it's a massive change. I just wonder, looking at that, if a three at the back is the wisest idea when you consider that it's John Terry, Gary Cahill and David Luiz. We all have our opinions on David Luiz. I think Gary Cahill has been indifferent this season. I've seen instances where he looks very wobbly and very shaky. And John Terry is not someone I think is suited to a back three unless it's very organised and the space is very well managed because he's obviously not the quickest anymore. You put in front of that, you've got Aspilicueta playing in midfield, defence, kind of hybrid position. That's a bit awkward, and it's on the left as well. So, again, he's right-footed. I just think it was a little bit of experimentation that maybe didn't quite go as planned. And I think, honestly, 
in this competition, it's not a terrible idea to experiment. It's not a terrible idea to bring young players in. I think, if anything, for all the, the stuff that we throw Chelsea's way in terms of they never give young players a chance, this was actually a really good idea to try and give Ola Aina and Chalaber a chance because Aina's a bit younger, um, but Chalaber in particular, I think he's very much on that line of if he doesn't break through soon, he's probably going to have to start looking somewhere else for football because he's getting, don't want to say old, but he's getting old for a young player, which is slightly oxymoronic, I know. Yeah, well, that makes sense. What do you think of Conte's new system, Chris? It, considering that you were you were so quick to pour scorn on him the other day on the podcast. Yeah. Um, you wanker. You, you'd think he stole my missus. Um, <laughs> Give me a second series. <laughs> Smell my cheese. Um... I think the system, looking at it, again, I don't have the benefit of seeing much of the game, so I don't want to bring any sweeping judgments. From the highlights that I saw on uh, Channel 5, it looked like there was moments of, of fluency. I mean, he brought Hazard on, which is always going to change things. I think for him at the minute, he's still trying to work out maybe what the best system is. The one against Man United looked much better, not just because they won 4-0. It just seemed to suit the players a bit better. I think that's the difficulty, and we've talked about this or I have, um, because I hate Chelsea, remember? Yeah. Um, the, they're in a little bit of transitional period, I think. They, they've got a few players that maybe they need to move on and a few spaces they need to fill. Um, and equally, it takes time as well. So I think in the same way that you can maybe get carried away celebrating the success, you can also be far too harsh in criticising the defeats. That's why I take this as a, a little bit of an experimentation process that didn't quite produce the result he wanted. Good point. And I also, mm. I like the shapes that a 3-4-3 three, three make when attacking. Yes. It just looks nice. Of, great. Lots of triangles, lots of pretty, um, lots of out to the wing and then back in. It's oh, it's uh, scintillating football in the contact times, especially against United. Not so much against West Ham. <laughs> yeah, West Ham were the ones put in the good performance and um, dominated the match. Uh, Kuyate uh, with the opening goal, of course, and then Fernandez with the second, and Gary Cahill with a late consolation. That was his first goal for West Ham. Kuyate? Yeah. No, uh, Fernandez. I was going to say. Yeah. So I think he scored before. Um, of course, though, Lawrence, the off the pitch trouble is what's dominating headlines at the it's moment. 8% of fans, disturbances. isn't it? It's 8% of fans. It's, it's the small minority ruining it for everyone, throwing coins at each other, plastic bottles and seats being thrown, Lawrence. Uh, more ugly scenes there. It's yeah, unusual. I, I, I feel like the Olympic the Stadium, the Olympic Stadium or London Stadium, the Olympic Stadium has really had it hard, hasn't it? Really not had a good yeah, time. Getting torn apart. Yeah, it's just getting torn apart every getting week. Torn apart. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously again, they're idiots. Obviously, there's rivalry. Obviously, the police escorted them in and out. I don't think the police have particularly done themselves any favours in the way they've handled this. Uh, I think. I also wonder whether West Ham are trying to put their mark on the new area, move into a new stadium. Um, I'm not kidding. You know, I mean, there are some lovely West Ham fans, but also some real, you know, idiots in every crowd of people. Um, and yeah. you know, I think there's a bit of a toxic environment around um, mm. around there at the moment. I think it was, you know, the case in point being that, as well as West Ham fans throwing stuff at Chelsea fans, you know, Chelsea fans were throwing stuff themselves. So uh, the, the small minority of fans doing that were present in both yeah, sets. But they're not, but they're both not the best. Um, they're both they both, <laughs> both don't have the best reputation in in London. Um, and I think that that's never going to play well for them. But then when people play up to it, that really doesn't help them. 
Um, mm. and, and I guess that's the problem, really, is that you would love if if the good fans got, got shown as well. Uh, but there's unfortunately that minority. So. Going through, of course, face Manchester United, as I said, the day of their Lawrence, uh, what do you make of that tie coming up? Um, lovely. Uh, I think West Ham lovely. away from... The thing is, West Ham away from home obviously enjoyed themselves a little bit this season um, because they've not been at home. Um, so let's see what, how they challenge United. Some really lovely ties in the next round. Liverpool leads is a Ooh. great one. Liverpool Leeds is a great one. I'm excited about two big clubs. Mm. Um, two. I mean, this used to be a really, a really big game back in the day. Um, mm. Of course, Liverpool aren't the power they once were now. Uh, yes, it's fair to say that. It's fair to say. Um, of course, there was one other game going on in the EFL Cup this evening, and that was Southampton versus Sunderland. What a goal! No, su- no surprises. What a goal! Southampton winning. Yes. What a strike! Uh, what a turn! It was beautiful. A 25-yard strike, um, £60 million for this summer. Um, so that's a great goal for him. No surprises. Sunderland losing again. Um, so not great news for them. So who's gone Southampton gone through to play? Is that, you know, Sunderland, Sunderland, is there a away kit, just the LA Galaxy kit repurposed? Uh, what is the Sunderland away kit? Chris, do you see what I mean? I do. It's got it's got the sash. It's a, it's just a little bit lighter blue. But yeah, it's basically white with a blue sash across the middle. Yeah, they're about the level of the LA Galaxy at the moment, aren't they? I think that's harsh on the Galaxy to be brutal. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> they won again this season. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, though, I will say this Sunderland were denied what I would argue was a stonewall penalty. Oh, really? But, it, but, it, but again, you put that in the context of the performance, it, it wasn't exactly an avenue that they earned, if you, make, if you understand what I'm saying. They, they're just... I I appreciate that it is the final days of October. It sure is. If I was Sunderland, I'd be very tempted to just start taking stock and preparing for the championship next season. Because if there's one thing you can say about Villa now, who were in that position, they is they really fight. didn't prepare. And they knew for months they were going down. And, you know, they got a manager and it didn't really work. They kind of just bought players that looked good on the surface that let's spend 30 million on strikers there was no real preparation yet you look at the team that's top they were actually quite well prepared for this um they, they, think, they, if anything they've been expecting it for years in a lot of ways i mean look they've got a squad that looks very well balanced um Surely that's down to Rafa. I mean, that's much more down to Rafa. Yeah, I mean, no, it is. It is. Of course, this is the thing, though. This is what bleeds into the point is I think arguably even more important than that, they've just got to decide if David Moyes is the right person because he's possibly the least inspiring Sunderland coach I can remember. Yeah, true. He is just so... <sighs> Again, I'm I'm not a Sunderland fan, as I'm sure people know, yet I talk to a good deal of them because of locale and all that kind of thing. I see so many of them uninspired by Moyes, and I see completely why. And even with the sort of context of having Rafa Benitez and all that stuff, I would want David Moyes as my club's manager because he, he seems so. He seems to almost wow. go into every game with the idea that we're fighting to get a draw, and if we win, wouldn't that be lovely? He's a bit and like just, the old Gill of the Premier League, isn't he? 
In so many frightening ways, yes. Yeah. Oh, Moyes. Oh, God. <laughs> Went in again. Oh, God. Uh, Southampton going through to face Arsenal, who won uh, 2 0 against Reading last night. Uh, also going through to the quarterfinals. With the young team, by the way. Newcastle, Newcastle United. Uh, favourable draw probably the best draw they could hope for they're going to take on Hull City potentially based on current form um, yeah. but Newcastle winning 6-0 against Preston Chris yes the real turning point for this one was the red card in the first half and it was as clear a red card as you're going to see now in fairness uh, Simon Grayson said afterwards that his player did not mean to do what he did but he also had no complaints at the dismissal. It was essentially a forearm smash on Jack Colback. And, I mean, look, Newcastle fans aren't the greatest fan of Jack Colback, but even they were kind of like, oof, that looks like it hurt. Because he had to come off as well. He had to have stitches, I think. Um, they were already one up when the red card happened anyway. And by the time that had happened, it just let them flood forward to the point where I think they were playing two at the back at one point. I mean, positionally there was four, but the fullbacks were so far advanced. Um, and they could have had seven, eight, they hit the post three times, I think. Sorry, no, they hit the post twice in the bar once. Um, and look, at the minute, they look absolutely rampant, which is probably why they'll lose 1-0 against Preston on Saturday. But I, th- I think in general, they're, they're all just playing with supreme confidence. And even even the little things, so there was an argument between Richie and Mitrovic for the penalty. Richie is the designated taker, Mitrovic wanted it because I think he sensed a hat-trick. Richie took it, yeah, straight after he finished, he goes up and he kind of consoles Mitrovic and it's it's just little things as well. It's it's a very good time to be a Newcastle fan at this really precise is. moment. I mean, they're, is that how much is that Rafa? It, it's not a case of how much, it's a case of it's all Rafa pretty much. The, yes, the players are doing it on the field, I'm not looking to diminish percentage. their contribution. Um, 100. It's just everything he does. The, Again, this will this will sound like someone firmly in love. He is just someone that seems to get it. He he, the way he puts them together on the field is very good, but then the fact that he, again things like he, on a Friday night he'll go to a foundation event for Newcastle. Doesn't have to goes along anyway, and I think in so many ways. What he has been looking for and what Newcastle have been looking for are identical. And it's it's just bred this perfect harmony of situations. And again, he does just seem a very nice guy as well. He does, doesn't he? Everyone loves Rafa, don't they? Rafa, Manchester United fans and Chelsea fans. Yeah, so not everyone loves Rafa. And they're um, wankers. So <laughs> Are you happy with the, the whole... Draw though, Chris. Obviously, I know Leeds are in the Championship uh, mid-table there, but in terms of playing Hull, it's a, it seems a favourable draw. I would say so. It's of of the teams available. Obviously, I'm I'm certainly not going to take shots at Hull. Um, it's it was I think it, looking at it, it's between them and Leeds. Realistically, they're the two that you want, just because Hull are in bad form and Leeds are in the same division. Um, yeah, I I don't know kind of how he views the competition as a whole, Rafa. Um, there's there's elements of him that kind of just says in the media that he wants to focus on the next game, which is very admirable. And often the precursor to winning something like this is when you just focus on the next game. It would be lovely to have that cup run, I think. Um, again, it's it's hope. That's You know what it is? It, 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 well, it might. Um, it's 
it's the hope and sporting integrity. That's <laughs> that's kill, what yeah. it is. Uh, <laughs> um, that when I when I look back through the years before he arrived, after Chris Hewton left, I'm keen to make that important uh, distinction. The lack the lack of sporting integrity and the lack of hope. That's what hurt the most. And now it feels like both of those things are back. Because he's the one saying that you can win this competition. And people like Alan Pardew were saying we can't compete with Swansea. Different mentality. It's just nice to have direction, isn't it? At the end of the day, you know, I'm sure in the same way that Liverpool have got tremendous direction under Klopp and know what they want to do, Tottenham have, have got intentions and know what they want to do. Exactly. It's also it's it, is, it, it is also just interesting that um, Benitez is actually a manager who's he's sort of good at sweeping up after other managers a little bit. Um, you know, he's 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 come into quite a few sides. I mean, you know, his wife is notorious now for having said, um, "Yeah, she said that." Didn't she? Came sure to sweep into. up after Mourinho, um, or at least trying to. And uh, you know, he wasn't he wasn't that great at sweeping up after Mourinho. But there are other managers where he's taken little bits, built his own part in. And I think at times players have seen the benefits of what he's done. And especially with certain groups of players, because I was talking about this with um, another journalist the other day for another TFR documentary. And he was saying sometimes, depending on the players, and that's why it's very important that managers get the right players, some players will listen and some players won't. Because some players will be cynical players who won't understand the mentality of what Rafa wants them to do. And other players will not think in that way and they'll think in the way that he wants them to think. And very often that helps mm. him. And you can see what he's tried to do at Newcastle by getting that group of players together. Mm. And I mean, Chris mentioned Liverpool there. Lawrence, of course, we should talk about Liverpool winning 2-1 over Spurs. Not too upset myself, I have to say. Um, uh, yeah, B-team. It was a very entertaining match. It was great for, as a Spurs fan, see some young players out there to see uh, players like Vincent Janssen get a goal. But in terms of Liverpool... What must be encouraging for you, as well as those uh, exciting prospects uh, starting, is the firepower that Liverpool seem to have been. They were very uh, good in front of goal. Maybe Daniel Sturridge should have had a few more goals, has to be said. But in terms of Sturridge scoring, Origi playing well, Danny Ings making a, a late cameo, it was a good display in terms of the strength and depth up front. You know, what was interesting was actually, you know, Sturridge did play well, but you like you say, Origi was more the star man for Liverpool for me. I think his pace is his skill. Uh, really showed well and his support for Sturridge was fantastic um, I think later then you're right Danny is coming on I think there's also some lovely um, some lovely cameos with Trent playing and also uh, Stewart who's very quietly making a case for why he should permanently be in the Liverpool squad um, it's just it's all very positive overall for Klopp but I, I still think there's some uh, criticism or improvements to make um, uh, you know, because oh, obviously, yeah. well, obviously Spurs scored. Um, <laughs> it wasn't so, perfect. No, it wasn't perfect, but I'm, I still think that. And there was, you know, yeah, Spurs had a good chance at the end as well to kind of potentially level it up. Um, yeah, and you know, what, that's the thing is that you know, I also think that you're right in saying you know Spurs shouldn't be too disappointed because actually didn't play didn't play that badly, and I think that's probably going to be the case in quite a few of these games. It, it, it's almost a bad game to judge Liverpool against Spurs. Do you know what I mean by that? Um, because Spurs are probably a good team to play for Klopp because of the way they like to play and the way they want to play. Let's see how he plays some other teams. I'll be interested then. Mm-hmm. We only 
well, we had eight players who were aged 23 or under. Um, so exactly, I think it was, yeah. uh, it was, it wasn't a side, I don't think Pochettino was trying to throw away the game or anything like that, but it was clear it wasn't a priority. But we still had them to get in there. So I think, um, yeah, all good. All good, essentially. Congratulations. Um, and Leeds, playing Leeds. Excited. Yeah, I uh, love to play Leeds. Uh, great fans uh, to play and quite fun to have back and forth with. Um, and, they're, you know, they're, they're a team that actually quite a few people in the championship wouldn't want to play right now. So, yeah, let's see. Before we move on to the questions, we've got quite a few questions coming in on Twitter tonight. Is there any other business you gentlemen would like to discuss from the world of football this week? Probably Joe Hart Ooh. didn't have the best of nights didn't tonight. Uh, Joe Hart, he had a little blunder, didn't he, against Inter Milan? He did. He, he went to claim a ball. A, a through ball, I think it was Kandreva's through ball, and he went to claim it and accidentally kind of palmed it off. So it was going along the floor and he kind of pushed it against Mauro Icardi's knee um, and then Icardi just tapped on. One of two goals. His second goal, by the way, Icardi's second goal was brilliant. What are you trying to say, Chris? He'll move in January? I don't know if he'll move in January, but I wrote a piece that I've been flogging like a calendar from 2016 um, saying that he should be for Arsenal in January because just looking at the the numbers, just is the way he plays. I mean, even his goal tonight, it's some really good hold-up play. Turns, spins, shoots. And it's exactly the kind of goal that you could have seen Arsenal trying to score against Middlesbrough. Um, and in fairness, it's had a... I mean, again, some people disagree with me. Some people think he's an idiot. I get that. He's, again, he's had some controversies. He's also very young. I, I just think it makes a lot of sense because the cost of him and all that kind of stuff... For, for someone like Venga, I think if, if he... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you worked with them, it would be huge for both of them. Mm. One thing we should also mention, Lawrence, I think it's fair to say, is something that's got a lot of attention over here in the British press in the past week yes. is a poll that was conducted uh, for BBC Five Live. Um, it was a survey of four thousand reporters. It was essentially about uh, homophobia in football. And that's sort of the headline, the top line that came from this study, uh, this survey, was that most football fans would have no problem with gay players if a gay player was to come out. Excellent, uh, good. Well, let's leave it there and just move but, on. Fantastic, brilliant. <laughs> well, we're all on. We're all on board. 
apparently 8% of those asked uh, said they would stop going to support their club if an openly gay player came out of their club. Brilliant. Now, Fantastic. I think I know which pub this was conducted in. <laughs> yes. Now, obviously, Lawrence, high dispiriting. At the same time, high dispiriting, knowing that okay, there'll be eight percent of seats yes. free in a stadium that we can now fill with reasonable yes. people. I think. Uh, I Good that we know. Ian McIntosh of the Guardian of the he's described that eight percent as a, a shower of twats, which yeah. is a good way to describe it. But you know. I don't think it's any secret that there is homophobia in football. It's kind of like, oh, in other news, water is wet. But at the same time, this sort of study, if it brings to light that, you know, homophobia is an issue in football and maybe there's something we should do about it, that is a good thing. Um, but at the moment, it kind of seems like what action is going to be taken from this, if any. Sometimes I do think there is a sense I get it. I mean, the, oh, the, if you want to handle eight, I mean, eight percent of that many people, that does not represent the wider amount. That would mean there were a million, one point one million homophobes or something along those lines. I think Messi minutes did the did the numbers on this one, mm. um, and they are people who, I mean, you also have a serious problem. You just have a serious problem with your approach in life if it stops you supporting a team. <laughs> Because there's one person on it that you disagree with. Um, and, and what's weird is that you disagree with that part of his life. Because you, you know, I mean, I guess that you could just survey football fans and you'd say, well, you know, what if you found out that they were, um, you know, criminals or, you know, they cheated on their wives or any of those sort of things. I would, I'd love to see the context of which it was asked um, and what other things those people would not support their team for, you know, if they're willing to do it, you know if it's on moral grounds for them say they think it's a religious decision or something like that um not that that justifies it but what i'm saying is you know obviously then you know we could say to them well you know if you're doing it for moral reasons then why do you still support this footballer who's had an affair or this footballer who's done this or this footballer who's done that and you can kind of challenge your view and find a way of um you know, helping that person escape from the twattery that they live in on a daily basis Mm. Oh, he's got a fantastic touch, but I don't want him doing what he does it in private. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I'd stop supporting my entire football club. It is uh, like at the same time, you, you know, that obviously was the headline that was taken from this eight percent. But of course, uh, in the same study, the same survey, said eighty-two percent of football fans said they would not have a problem. You know, the homophobia does exist in society. I think that this makes that clear that some people. Uh, really have uh, eight sounds quite high though, doesn't it? I guess that's the problem. The, it does. The number eight sounds big, but at the same time, although it's dispiriting to hear that, I think it's good that the study or the survey comes out because it creates that discussion. You know, there hasn't been uh, to date a Premier League footballer or I believe a footballer in a sort of major European league who's come out as gay and revealed this sexuality while still playing. I know Thomas Hitzelsberger um, sort of revealed his sexuality. Yeah. Um, and he was advised not to reveal when he was playing because you know, he'd be subjected to abuse. He was dead and all this sort of stuff. So I think uh, until that happens, I think it's good that we sort of have this discussion and try to try to come to terms with it essentially and try to understand what we can do about it. Um, I don't know where he was at the time, but just in fashion, he did it at a fairly prominent time. I mean, not the not well, the yeah. peak of his career, so to speak, when he was at well, Norwich, but still, still professional, was, though, yeah. Um, and even then, that was 
I mean, that was... Well, that was, that that was subjected was to derision from his own family as well. Yeah, yeah. his brother. His, his brother's got a very, very difficult relationship with that whole thing now. Um, so. Honestly, I think it's just fear. I think that's yeah. what motivates so much of this. As someone that's had both a male and female friend come out, I was... So the female friend, to, in, to indulge in the story for a second, I, the female friend of mine who came out, um, she asked me if I could tell the rest of our friends that she was, was gay and seeing someone at the time. And I remember, and this will probably stay with me until I die, the faces when I said it and the range of reactions. And the one person who was very kind of, ooh, about the whole thing and really kind of weird about it was so much nestled in that stereotype of, oh, they're gay. Oh, that must mean they'll be attracted to me. Though, what if they just jump on me? Like they haven't got self-control or something. It's, I do think so much of it is rooted in fear and difference and all this kind of thing. It's just, it's thoroughly bizarre to me personally. I don't understand how, how you can kind of justify it. Yeah. Although do tweet um, in if you want. And, um, you know, let let us let us know, and we're more than happy to block you. That'll be lovely. I mean, I mean, in fairness, if, it, if it's a religious thing, then by all means, you know, ex- explain that to us. Because again, there are so many, as Lawrence Riley pointed out, there are so many players that have conducted affairs, have been racist, have punched women. There, there, there is such a range of other instances where a player's actually committed a crime there are so many other reasons reveal. not to watch this bunch of twats out on a pitch so why <laughs> why pick their sexuality there are so many reasons in which a player is committed an actual crime that you think would initiate someone stopping watching their club i don't understand why something that is innate and can't be chosen is turning them off like that mm. it's uh... I think it's a fascinating issue, especially in football, especially in a game that is, you know, rooted in such, you know, almost old ideas about masculinity and, you know, what it is to be a male. I think it's interesting in 2016 to have that confronted with, uh, well, just modern culture, essentially. And, Obviously, homophobia still exists. It exists in sight, not just in football, but obviously in that space. It's going to be it's going to be very interesting to think when the first gay player does come out, because I think it would be shocking if there isn't gay football in the Premier League right now. I think the law of averages just you know suggests that that is. Put this way, if there isn't a gay player in the Premier League right now, it will be it's it's virtually statistically impossible. Yeah, it's almost impossible basically. So there is one, and it's it's a real shame that. Obviously, they feel they can't come out, and we will um, find because him. of. Well, we all will find. Him. Will find but him. No, it's, it's, it's a shame that you know, uh, as Chris is saying there about friends of his that have come out. I've got my own friends who've sort of come out, and people that I know, and you sort of just feel relieved that they can sort of live their life and they can be who they are. They feel they don't have to hide anything. They don't have to uh, not be themselves. So, for a Premier League footballer with all the attention and all the uh, focus on them. Obviously, for them to feel that they can't reveal their own sexuality and sort of be themselves is, is you know, it's a real shame it, that it, can't it, happen. It does also, it does also sort of um, raise questions of commercial, the commercial side, and how much commercial people um, should 
support why support why players come out as well because there's a lot of countries mm. I think that there's big marketing that goes on and I think a lot of clubs worry about that because there's certain countries where it's, it's against the law to be gay um, in some yes. really big markets for football um, and I think some clubs and some players fear that it'll make them unmarketable assets and that mm. they won't get deals for those reasons because people won't stand with them and there's something quite sad about that too that you know, there are other industries that are challenging it. Why Why isn't football challenging it, considering its power yes. and its um, and its uh, prominence? And also the fact that there are so many people who openly love it. And genuinely, if you don't like, if you don't watch football because you don't like gay people, and essentially you're a homophobe, which maybe you don't have a phobia of homosexuals, but you know what I mean, then... I'm I'm kind of glad you're not all right. like I'm kind of glad you don't like it. Do you know what I mean? Because if if genuinely if that ruins your experience of football, you've got wider issues, mate. Mm. You can no, fuck I'll off. Do you know? I have to disagree with that. I think so to say, but I think it'd be fascinating to see how the world and how uh, if it happened in Britain, how British society would react to that. But I'd also be quite scared of what the action would be. I yeah. well, I mean, you think you'd be scared, and you're a you're a straight man, as far as I know. Um, you're a straight man. <laughs> Yes, um, but I would be scared in terms of, you know, it would be wholly depressing, I imagine. And I think that's uh, But at least we'd know who those people, at least we know who they 80% are. Put it this way, if you're, if you're very vocal about being, you know, I love people who say things like, um, yeah, I'm all free, for free speech, you should be able to say whatever you want. Um, yeah, but I, I can then also reply with, you are genuinely a twat if you are a homophobe. <laughs> and that's my right to free speech. Um, I think that's the problem is that a lot of people forget that on a very regular basis is that people think free speech ends at the point they stop talking and mm. and then and they sort of go, well, I've, I've had my say, so we're all good. That's not how free speech works. Yeah. yeah. yeah it it's, doesn't just work for you, mate. It's not one rule for you, one for another. Yeah. Um, yes, Noel. Guys, do tweet us your thoughts at the front three. It's obviously a very important subject, sorry, a very uh, interesting subject as well. So do send us your thoughts out the front three. You have been sending your questions in, though, tonight on the world of football. Let's get into them right now. First up, Ollie writes in, Ollie Shep 97 and he says, how are you guys? No one ever asks. Wait, didn't he say, how are you, Kristen? No, he said, how are you guys? Chris said, my favourite question of the night, and he just went, yeah, how are you, Kristen? Good. He just asked oh, him, right. you know? yeah. How are you, Kristen? Uh, yeah, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm actually decent, you know. <laughs> all good. What about you, Lawrence? How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. It's been a bit, yeah, it was interesting to watch Man United Man City tonight. It wasn't the most yeah. scintillating game, but it was go back right. and watch it on the YouTube because that was what made it interesting. Um, I'm all right as well. Thank you for asking, Ollie. Sorry, I did yeah. actually have how are you? Um, you know what? I actually had I was a little bit annoyed tonight to be honest because midway through the show, Lawrence, Lawrence, uh, Barnaby Slater uh, from Spurred On got you a nice pizza, didn't he, Lawrence? You asked for a nice pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll order a delivery. You know, I'll get myself a nice, like, dinner for myself. A chicken and halloumi sandwich on the way from a place called Kuiana in London. If you haven't been there, do go. It's like a Weinberg place. It's beautiful. Anyway. Oh, that is good. I'm waiting yeah, for my food. Lovely, yeah. it, it's ticking down 40 minutes to go or whatever. So I look at my phone and I'm like, oh, man, what's this delivery? It's an hour now. You know, what's going on? So I look at my phone, it's like delivered. I was like, hang on, what's going on here? 
head upstairs, uh, you know, <laughs> TFR Towers on like, there's a guy on like on the reception sort of thing. He's like, oh, I haven't seen anything. <laughs> he, he, he wipes his mouth and he wiped me from his <laughs> he wasn't. I looked at him quite carefully uh, to make sure that wasn't the case. But I walk outside and I see a delivery guy there. And I walk outside, open the door, and I'm like, oh, mate, did you have something for, for Adam? He was like, yeah, mate. I was like, where is it? He was like, oh, I gave it to Colin. I was like, who's Colin? He was like, oh, he, he was just coming back from the gym. He said he was going to give it to you. I was like, what? You he was like, yeah, Colin's got me. it. I was like, what are you talking about, mate? I was like, who the fuck is Colin? I was like, have you just given my food to some random bloke? He was Call like, Colin. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I was like, what? So there is someone at TFR Towers called Colin in the, the office that I work in who stole my fucking delivery. Wait, but you didn't, you didn't have to pay for it again, though, did you? I've emailed you. And uh, I've emailed Deliver and asked for a refund because I didn't get any fucking food. <laughs> fucking Colin got it. Fucking Colin had Meanwhile, <laughs> Colin's writing a fantastic post. Yeah. The cheek. I couldn't believe it. I was like looking around. I was like, whoever this Colin guy is, surely not. He wouldn't, but he fucking did. He had himself a nice chicken and a loony sandwich and a can of spray as well. Cheeky fucker. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll so, take thank, it to thank you for asking, yeah, yeah, just give it to me. Bit, who? I mean, that it was, is absolutely outrageous. That something. That it is outrageous. Guy just it's goes, been a long day as well. It's been a long <laughs> week. It's been a, a long day, and I was really looking forward to it. Fucking Ollie. Uh, no, sorry, Ollie. You asked a nice question. Fucking Colin. <laughs> Fucking Stole Ollie. me sandwich. Are you? Ollie, are you? Um, are you Adam? Adam? No, I'm Colin. Brilliant. Here's your, here's your sandwich. <laughs> here's your fucking dinner. Yeah. But did he say like, "Oh yeah, I'll go and give it to Adam" or something? Just be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely." Will. Who does that? Who bloody does that? Do you know what I mean? Incredible. Did you get a description of him? No, he just was like, yeah, Colin, he was on the way back from the gym. He said he was going to give it to you. He didn't fucking give it to me. Unreal. Anyway, definitely sounds like a delivery driver who's just eating the sandwich out of boredom. Not only that, but it's sort of like, it's sort of like, he's on his way back from the gym. What? So he's going to work at nine o'clock at night on his way back from the gym. He probably even didn't walk into the office, just walked off. He was just like, yeah, cheers, mate. I'm good. I'll see you later. (laughs) Yeah. Are you Adam? I think he was a new delivery driver because he's probably going to get, hopefully he doesn't get in trouble. But, you know, come on, mate. That, that's mental they just give it to some bloke <laughs> he doesn't get in it. trouble but come on I didn't get but me sandwich delivery if you're listening I'll take a free order or something like that we'll all take a free dinner as, a, as an apology we'll all take one and, and all we'll of all... our listeners will as well yeah. <laughs> yes and all the listeners say well anyway we'll move on I'll try and calm myself down Gary Gold's the main you sound man like you boiling, mate, yeah. has written in did any of you really try to become pro footballers if so how close were you? Chris? Um, I wouldn't say I tried. I would say... I just made it through natural talent. It's very epic. As someone currently playing in the Thai Premier League. Um, no, I would say I gave it a go for about a year or two. I played with a few lads who were at Newcastle. Um, I was I was all right. I wasn't terrible. I was a bit I was a bit small. I didn't grow until I was quite late into my teens. Chris, when you say you played with a few lads from Newcastle, do you mean that time you did that modelling and you got to play with Shaka Hislop out on the pitch? Oh God, uh, no, that was one of two prominent. I was also. Have you been? Have you? You've been? Yeah, you've both been to Newcastle, right? Of course we have. Lovely place. Of course. You know the centre for life. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> it's the big museum, basically. Uh, it's I a museum also, in Newcastle. It, yes. Um, it's not the way that Geordie tells it. It's not just pamphlets from London either. Um, <laughs> if that's what it was. <laughs> um, it's a magical place. Hmm. It's like the Queen's there. It's which um, is really it's a museum. Museum. 
Um, so when that opened, they had a big, uh, what do you call it, kind of, not roller coaster, but you know one of those motion rides where the chair moves? It sounds so stupid in a Geordie accent, I know. <laughs> Any other accent, this would be totally fine. But one of those motion rides that, that moves along with the screen. Um, yeah, that where your dad shakes, also... it, shakes it <laughs> and offers his chair around. Just two staff members while you sit in one of those PlayStation racing chairs and they Whoa. shake it. <laughs> um, I, was, I was in that as well. There was a, a scene where it basically included Newcastle and you had to kick a football. Um, and I was in that as well. Wow. That was probably as close as I came. But yeah, I played with a few lads who went to the Newcastle Academy. Um, so I was... Eh, you are probably the closest out of all of us, actually. Unless, Lawrence, you had some uh, trials I don't know about. Um, <laughs> Burglary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She dropped the charges in the end, so then went away. Yeah, trying try to move past that, <laughs> um, No, um, no. I've never tried. It never struck me to. I didn't want to be no. a footballer. Um, I was happy to play in the park, and that was it. Maybe, yes. maybe get into the game in other ways, but never in like playing, playing. No, no, definitely not. What about you, Adam? Um, you, do you? No, never, never even close. I was decent as a teenager. Then. That went very quickly, didn't ne- it? Never thought. Oh God, I'm going to become a pro footballer. So uh, no, rightly so. Definitely. Has anyone Chris, seen Dave play for Chris wins. Uh, we, we yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's good. Oh, Dave is good. Lawrence, you want to play football on Saturday? Um, good. Yes. What time? At 11 a.m. Great. Why don't we tell everyone where? Guys, if you want to come down and watch us play, uh, five to side, we're playing at 11 a.m. at King's Cross. We'll see you there. Brilliant. Um, in the station. Dan, yeah, in the station. Get numbers well, in the right order. Tell them. Do I, I don't actually no, want to tell no, them, do no, I? No, 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 no. No. Cool. Uh, okay. Daniel writes in saying, with Zatan's current poor form, how is Adam and Dave feeling about their wager? Well... Dave's not here, obviously, so I, for one, am feeling great about my wager. I was seriously worried uh, when I was on my travels, when I was hearing about all the goals he was banging in. My girlfriend was even more so, um, but it's looking good. He scored four league goals, I believe, and it's all about league goals, guys. 20 league goals, it's not happening. So Dave will be dyeing his hair peroxide blonde at the end of the season, and that is hopefully a fact. Wait, Justin, Dave has to go peroxide blonde? Yep. That was the deal. Messy blonde, we, we agreed. <laughs> So I would happily do it if, because I was just so confident that it's not happening. Um, I was starting to panic, but it's all good. It's all good, essentially. Um, here is so. a question for you, Chris. Justin Kanika specifically asks, Kristen, what yes. are your thoughts on Andre Silva? Has Portugal solved its number nine problems? Very, very good question. Um, That's why he's definitely talented. Uh, I won't contest that. It it does take talent to score in the Portuguese league. The problem is he's playing in a side that tends to dominate. I think he's got some skills. How he integrates with that national team, I'm not so sure yet because I want to see more of him and see how he works best. To watch him, he just looks like a very clinical poacher to me. Um, Kind of, and I say this very loosely, in the mould of Pauleta. Um, I think they need... I think they need someone that can bring others into play Portugal for the style that they play. Uh, I don't think it can be that kind of Portugal, otherwise you would just stick Ronaldo up there and, and let them do the rest. Although, in fairness, watching Ronaldo for Real Madrid at the minute, you would argue that's kind of the role he's, he's going to be shunted into if he wants a future with the national team because he's not maybe contributing in the same ways as he used to. Mm. 
Uh, another good question here from AKA Juice26, always writing in with good questions. Thank you very much. He said, Nzonzi has been in terrific form this season. Should he get called up for France? We obviously mentioned this on the weekend, Lawrence, for Sevilla. He's been fantastic. Alongside another Frenchman, Samuel Nasri, um, who I don't imagine is going to be in France all anytime soon. But as for Nzonzi, what do you reckon, Lawrence? Obviously, they've got a massively talented squad, France. Uh, so much depth, especially in midfield. But could Nzonzi make the squad? Probably what I was wondering, uh, how old's Nzonzi now? Stephen Nzonzi. I believe he's 26, 27. So it's not unreasonable uh, to say I'm... that he's he's on he's on course, but I do think that's also quite a stacked midfield in a sense. So it's difficult for him to break into it. Um... <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you might say oh, on four, maybe he deserves to be ahead of, say, Paul Pogba, who's had a somewhat difficult start season, but at the same time, Pogba's always going to be on that list. Well, you I mean, know who discovered Nzonzi, don't you? Uh, Newcastle. Big Sam. Big Sam Allardyce. Yeah. Did he? Big Sam. He was, he was the one that brought him to Blackburn. From from League 2, I think. Yeah, League 2. Yeah. A few French listeners. <laughs> Do you want to be offended? <laughs> but yeah, you've got... Obviously, there's Kante as well. There's uh, players like Matuidi in there. I mean, I'd imagine he would get a call-up for Goodbye. if he continues for the next squad. Yeah. But yeah, um, looking it up, he's yeah, only twenty-seven. Why not? So he's he's not yeah. he's not old. He also started at the PSG Academy for a brief period as well. Um, You'd also argue the more you know. Would, <laughs> but also, would you argue that he, where would he fit into that team? So who would you take out to put Nzonzi in? That's a good question. Uh, and I I don't know if I can answer that because I don't, I don't know if he fits with the system for France. Um, and they already do seem to be playing quite out of joint for a couple of players. Um, so why make it him that you fit around? I'm not mm. sure that works. AK Juice also asks, uh, we'll do this one quickly, who should win the Ballon d'Or? Yeah. Oh, the Ballon d'Or, as everyone seems to bloody call it every Dior. year. Everyone forgets in the year off how to pronounce Ballon d'Or. And they go, yeah, Ballon it's the Ballon d'Or, mate. By the way, Stephen Nzonzi's six foot three. Hmm. You live in here then. <laughs> Um, Ballon Dior, Chris. Uh, the nominations mm-hmm. came out. Um, obviously, it's the big, long list before it gets whittled down to that three man short. Does that still happen now, even though FIFA have sort of uh, France football divorced? Yeah. They, this is now back of France football. They're in charge of it. Uh, if you don't know, uh, FIFA used to have a World Player of the Year award. They entered into agreement with France football, who's a, the French publication that ran Ballon d'Or. Um, for so many years that was only for was it six years they've done that for seven eight years and now it's reverting back to what it was beforehand where FIFA's going to have its world player of the year award separately from the Ballon d'Or it's all new it's voted for by journalists instead of the captains uh, and Finally, managers of the international not team <laughs> yeah so it'll be interesting to see be swayed. Yeah. Yeah. it'll be interesting to see who does win but I think the assumption is because of the year he's had uh, it will be Cristiano Ronaldo, closely followed by Antoine Griezmann. But you look at the achievements of Ronaldo this year, you look at the Euros, you look at the Champions League, and uh, obviously Griezmann finished second in both those competitions. Um, I think it's... It, I'd be very surprised if it doesn't go to, to Cristiano. Any arguments? Pierre-Emerick? Pierre Interesting. To be fair, AK does say who should win the Ballon d'Or. He doesn't say who will. I mean, Aubameyang's not one... Mm, I mean... Mm. He did get African Player of the Year, didn't he? 
Uh, he did. Was that the one Yaya Toure wasn't happy about? Yeah, very much so, yeah. Yes. That was quite a while ago now. Um, Messi's yeah, not yeah. really one you can make an argument for. Neymar, maybe if he won Cop. Mm. Um, no, yeah. Um, I mean, is Suarez in there? Maybe because Suarez didn't achieve on the international level, but then that's not really his fault, was it? I think it, it was some surprise was, that... Um, yeah. He was injured for a good portion. And he also yeah. then... Yeah, he wasn't a lad, yeah. Wait, is this in, is it? Would this include Cop America twenty sixteen or fifteen? Sixteen. I got I got this wrong last time, and someone was like, "Oh, it's the the last year, you idiot." It's the calendar year. It will be the calendar year of twenty sixteen. Right. Okay. Uh, um. Okay. What about? Yeah, um, so it'll be Ronaldo. What? What? Ronaldo agrees, man. It'll be Ronaldo. Yeah. Ronaldo's yeah. achieved the most in the calendar year, realistically. In the yes. Thank God Even though he was not the pitch for Portugal when they, when they actually Gareth Bale, Is Gareth Bale an outside shout? Because I mean really he, he achieved a lot of the Euros oh, yeah, well, well, And he's been, he's been very good for Real Madrid mm. Arguably as yeah. significant as Ronaldo at times In those Oof. Champions League games If Just... Wales had won the Euros, yes If Wales had won the Euros though Then that would have been an even bigger achievement than I think this yeah, becomes a very binary won. competition The Ballon d'Or Yeah, you almost need uh, position, if, yeah. You almost need a Ballon d'Or eleven. Yeah. If you haven't won anything, you're out for stars. You You've yeah, got to have yeah, won yeah. something, and then it gets down to the minutiae of well, how many goals have you scored? It's always the goals, isn't it? You know, um, you turn up in a nice suit, all that kind of stuff. Good question here from Mark Anthony Bustos. Thank you so much for your question. Will this Manchester United team catch up to the top four this season? Uh, essentially saying, will they finish in the top four? Based on current form, based on the way things are shaping up, I think it's hard to see them finishing the top four as it stands. You're looking at Man City, you're looking at Arsenal, you're looking at Liverpool, you're looking at Spurs and Chelsea as well. I mean, I think in our predictions at the start of the season, I said they would finish in the top four. They've been somewhat, a little bit disappointing, I think it's fair to say, Lawrence. Um, can you see them finishing in that top four? I also just think a little bit inconsistent. You know, it's all well and good mm playing sides that you can beat because of the way your system works. But, uh, you know, there are times where this system would work against every team for Mourinho. And I think there are, he, what his solution has to come from is what's he going to do against sides who are not going to play into that? Um, and I get it. Like, you know, obviously there's uh, the frustration of, uh, of of trying to find that. And then, you know, the high of Fenerbahce, the low of Chelsea, then again, the high of beating City. The, the not false high but you know it, it, they didn't start with their ideal 11 I don't think City um, but then I mean you know it's also worth saying that you know United didn't miss Bay uh, too too badly against City but then was it, were they really challenged uh, I don't know if they if he will I think they probably will catch it but ultimately I don't know if Manchester that's the frustration is they probably will catch it and not deserve it from a, from outside, from what people believe from the outside but they probably will end up catching. Mm. Uh, here is a great question. Uh, again, on Manchester United. Um, Shane Davis. Uh, Kay Oak and David Shanahan both asked the same question about Henrik Mkhitaryan. Kay Oak asks, what the hell is going on? Hashtag Kagawa part two. Uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan, of course, has not been featured uh, in the Manchester United team in the last few weeks. He was supposed to be available tonight, fit and ready to play. He wasn't even included in the 18-man squad, let alone the start of 11. All sorts of uh, rumours swirling around Chris uh, as a as a professional 
and brilliant journalist yourself. Have you heard anything about Mictani? Got any opinions on this, this situation? Have you seen the film Space Jam? Yes. Uh, well, yes. got some good news and bad news. Um, I think, honestly, it's well, for starters, it's not Space Jam. It hasn't been taken off by aliens. Um, I think he is taking a little bit longer to fit into the system. Um, if you look at last time, or last year, sorry, for Dortmund, he tended to play in a position that Manchester United don't really have right now. So it could go back to the idea, and I kind of thought this watching their business in the summer, that Man United were a little bit about buying names rather than working out whether people actually fit in. So it was a case of, you know, we need Pogba, we need Zan. Oh, we need another attacking midfielder because we don't score goals. That's great, but how do you fit them all in? Um, so it... It's just, for me at the minute, it doesn't seem to, to fit the style that Mourinho wants. And from what I had heard, stroke read, um, I think even uh, Ian Smith said this on the, the TFR live stream, he's a little bit of a slow integrator, Mkhitaryan. So I think at the minute they're, they're probably trying to find a good position for him to work in. Instead of just throwing him in there and making him look like he's a duffer, they're taking their time with it. Because again, he did cost a lot of money. And why would you needlessly open your player up to some needless stick um, when you can take your time and work out the best position for him? Good point. Well said. Um, final question tonight uh, comes from the main man, Carlos Zaldivar, always sending in great questions. We've done a few on Manchester United there, so he sent in a few. I won't be the Manchester United one because uh, of what we talked about there, but he's got an interesting one here. Why do managers often struggle against their four clubs? Pep versus Barca, uh, Mou versus Chelsea. Klopp versus Borussia Dortmund. Oh. Yes. There you go. That's the, uh, the exception that proves the rule. Uh, Luis Enrique v. Uh, Skelter, uh, Miguel Herrera versus Club America. Um, is this a fact that managers often struggle against their former clubs? Just the pattern that's emerged recently. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Lance? Obviously, highly emotional to return to your former club. There's so much pressure, so much focus on you. You know, it's a difficult situation to deal with. Yeah, I mean, it's also probably just the time that you end up playing those clubs as well. I mean, you know, there are times where managers early on in a cycle end up playing their former club and very often they maybe left the former club in a slightly different situation. Maybe they've gone off for a new challenge. Um, I think it's, you know, part of that is looking at th the stage in which both those cycles are in. And there are times where you face your former club and maybe you forget it. Uh, some managers will forget it because... You know they they uh, they've just had a very normal result or a result which they would consider to be a little bit easier. Um, so yeah, I mean, what what do you mean by uh, Klopp? Because I mean Klopp is Klopp faced Dortmund and he didn't struggle, but also at the same time he did struggle. So they got through, but by the skin of their teeth. Mm. Um, is it not the emotions of the whole thing? I guess. Do you think that's what also makes it so much more memorable when you win, whether you win or lose, whereas with other teams you just sort of put it to one side. I just feel like, and I know I often take it down this this canal, if you will. Interesting I, I think, choice of route. Yeah, that was the last word. I'm I think say. I'm going to take it down this <laughs> industrial canal. canal. <laughs> I am northern. Um, yeah, definitely give me a lot from now on. Um, I do think that when you go back to somewhere like the way try that again if you go back to somewhere that you know you're far more likely to overthink things 
not even in terms of your perception and, and wanting it to try wanting it to go so well that you try so hard but even just the minute details of oh well i know this worked when i was there and i know this tripped them up and you just overthink it the the best i'm reading at the minute i think it's called the inner game of tennis or or something along the line i can't remember the exact title it's in my bag um and it, it talks about the idea that the best performance in sport always flows effortlessly when you don't really think about it too much um, in fact, Henrik Mkhitaryan said he read it and really enjoyed it. Um, but I think the same applies to coaches in that sense, is that when you try so hard to think and, and almost force it, that's when you'll likely make a mistake and because you're so focused on getting it perfect and, and getting it right. You never stop to think what you could get wrong. Guys, there you have it. That is the Front Free Podcast uh, Wednesday night. Do keep your questions coming in on Twitter at the Front Free. Can I also just say there's one thing that I remembered? Oh, please go on. Uh, I kind of remembered. Um, Anyone else heard about this, the Thailand situation with the king? I have heard. (laughs) I have heard. Please be careful. Please be careful with what you're about to say. Yeah. Yeah, go on. So the king has sadly passed. And yes, very sad. Okay, so far. We're all very sad about that. Especially, no, on right. no one more Can so I... than on the podcast. Mm. And obviously uh, royalty is considered in different ways. But in Thailand, they've just cut the league short, apparently, yes. by three games, mm-hmm. relegating two sides who could have stayed up. Mm-hmm. 17, and... 18 teams met and 17 teams voted to just end the league there. Um, it's a cool day. And then, it was frosty for that 18th thing. Well, I mean, I guess they, they might, it must have been one of the sides who was getting relegated, right? It was one of the mid-table sides. It was the, the side in the totally peerless position, just <laughs> desperate to finish out the season. Do you, I mean, it, yeah, or it was, I mean, imagine if that happened in England. It, by the way, the, the, the cup is being finished uh, by lottery. So it's just, a, it's just being drawn out of a hat, essentially. Um, which is I heard it was going to be decided by a coin toss. Interesting. And then you go from the there, final. which is essentially, imagine if the same happened in England, and we just went, yeah, we'll just stop the season there, when the Queen died. There'd be riots. It's just, yeah, genuinely, um, there'd be more riots because people miss the football more than they miss the Queen. Like it's David, David's the only team going into the meeting is going is Sunderland going, yeah, cut it short, we're done, no more, just yeah. And David Moyes is going, yeah, we'll use that as an excuse. Fantastic, yeah. Oh, we went down because of the Queen. We were gonna. Yeah, you can always blame it. You, yeah. you, you don't have to be culpable. Yeah, we could have stayed up if we'd have if it bloody Queen. Yeah, you could always oh. blame that. It's an interesting situation. Yeah. And, that's all we shall say. I mean, to be respectful, I just, it is just a very unusual situation in sport. I mean, it's people putting completely to one side the idea of competition because of something, a greater cause. Something that is, in their minds, um, a much greater cause. I wonder why they didn't say, you know, like, let's have Pause. A, a couple of months break, yeah, or whatever. And obviously you need to uh, have a period of respect, have a period of mourning, but maybe just the games later yeah I do you find it a little bit weird I imagine the guy who went right well we'll just stop the league there then call it all to a halt no more games they're going should we not just pause the league no it's all over 
everything is gone. It's dark. It's dark. Everything is bl- everything is black in the world. It's it, it, <laughs> the whole world is. It, the clouds are closing in. No, well, we can the football's just, over. We can just we can just pause the league if you want, Mike. No, no, no. Everything must stop. And maybe that is maybe that because something else has come to an end. It might be a, a cultural belief. Um, but you know, I'm just imagining similar happening in England, and it would just never happen here. Yeah, it would definitely not happen. People would not be happy. I think there would be either a break or uh, it would just carry on. I just, I just think it would carry on. <laughs> just carry on. Uh, did, the, did the football finish or did the football uh, pause because Diana died? No, well, there was a minute of silence, I think, though. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Football. Yeah, that's, that's That tends to be our uh, response to to bereavement is a minute of silence. Yeah. Or minute's quiet. applause, it, it varies. Yeah. Depends. Depends. I if we what would happen if the Queen? What would happen to football if the Queen died? Would they call off the matches and stuff like one weekend? No, because it's the Queen. Nah, no. Nah. She, she didn't. Want, they'd play sense. them, and then all the commentary would have said she'd have wanted it this way. <laughs> the all football like, Republic would bundy a lot more scrutiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was your concept first. They'd, yeah, there'd be a minute signs, wouldn't there? Maybe the national anthem blaring out. So. Got to be. That's a very good political joke. Um, yeah. it's very good. Um, right, guys, let's wrap up the show there. Uh, before we go, uh, I do want to say comment of the week uh, is awarded this week to Connor Fan One Two Three from Ireland. Um, I like this guy already, but his review was called "Good Bit of," and it was an interesting. One. He said five stars for one. Thank you very much, Connor Fan. Great football podcast with a humble host that you would find hard to dislike. Good. Thank you, Connor. Oh, a guy you call me the horse, but... <laughs> A guy who eats and sleeps stats. Obviously, they. Again, I wouldn't say that Chris eats and sleeps stats, but... <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that. Interestingly, the most politically correct Liverpool fan who seems to hate Liverpool... Again, he supports Newcastle, but... Bit harsh on Chris... <laughs> And more often than not, Chris Hennage. Ah, oh, lovely. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, Connor, thank you very much for your review. More often than not, the Chris Hennage story. Because that's the review everybody wants. That could be the title of your book. Yeah. Was he there? A lovely host. I didn't know his stats. A politically more correct Liverpool fan. And Chris. <laughs> more often than not, Chris. And someone who Chris. sometimes is there. Jesus. Chris, what would you call your autobiography? A dildo and a nunnery. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like right now, Jesus. Overused. (laughs) Underappreciated. What would you call your autobiography? Left in your packaging. A little bit weird, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Weirdly moist, the Chris Edge story. Oh, my girlfriend hates that word. What, moist? Yeah, seriously, she's got a real problem with it. A lot of people do not like the word moist. Um, mainly after the oh, whole dapper yeah. laughs thing. But, uh, yeah, um, just it would just be called the Lawrence McKenna story. My story. Lawrence McKenna's. <laughs> my <Catching>. story. <laughs> The Lawrence McKenna story, my story. Yeah. By Lawrence McKenna. <laughs> by, by Lawrence McKenna. Forward, Lawrence McKenna. Oh, very good. What would you call your okay. book, Adam? 
<laughs> how how the football republic failed by Adam. <laughs> <laughs> no, where's Colin? Where's my delivery? Where's Colin? <laughs> where's Colin by Adam Bolt? <laughs> <laughs> Just a tale of just like, you know, time Colin. You know what? That's not I a bad haven't. YouTube video. Is A good YouTube video would actually be you trying Wait, to find Colin. your delivery. Fucking Colin. Um, I've got a, uh, a refund, by the way. You'd be glad to know. Forget delivery have refunded as they should. Um, is there any, is there any CCTV in the building? Any CCTV around? Yeah, I'm I should go for these links. Maybe I should do it. Genuinely. What if you did? You might okay. be able to find out the person. I'll look into it tomorrow. Guys, if you have any information about the disappearance of my delivery, uh, if you were in the vicinity of Tottenham Road this evening and you saw a man called Colin who may or may not have been coming from the gym. That man looks like he's called food. Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a coming Colin from the I've gym. He was wearing shorts, basically. <laughs> he was coming from the gym and he had a bag of tasty food and he was chowing down. But he might have had a slightly guilty look on his face. Then get in touch. <laughs> Blogging shorts was passing the CFR office. <laughs> But he might have, you know, he might have a bit delivery spooked. driver was like, he Adam? Might, he no, I'm Colin. <laughs> well, I know an Adam. Oh, great. Well, you be, yeah. Are you on your way back from the gym? Yeah, sure, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you saw this guy, he may have been looking over his shoulder. He may have been a bit nervous. <laughs> then, you know, let me know. But he would have actually been quite delighted, I reckon, because the sandwich. Quite delighted. It's banging, I've got to say. It's a banging sandwich. I think he's Ronnie Biggs, living in constant fear because he's taking your sandwich. He definitely is, mate. I'd be surprised if he's able to sleep tonight. He shouldn't be able to sleep tonight. The guilt should be eating away at him. For Um, a guy in shorts looking shifty, (laughs) constantly over his shoulder. Exactly. It was a bloody nice sandwich. Uh, (laughs) I mean, really nice. Adam, how do you know it was a blade? It might have been an awful set. It might have had salmonella. I've had it before. It's really nice. That's the reason I ordered it. Um, hopefully it did have salmonella. Hopefully it bloody did. Yeah. Um, anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to The Front Free. Uh, do send in your reviews and rate the podcast on iTunes. You don't have to give us five stars, but if you just let us know what you enjoy about the podcast, uh, what you, you want us to talk about, all that sort of stuff, it helps people find The Front Free, which at the end of the day is a great thing. Um, you do have to give a positive character assessment, though. Yeah, don't just say. Uh, don't just say. I'm often. Don't just state that somebody is present. Yeah, if you like us, tell us why. If you don't, tell us why. Maybe we'll improve. Your review. Oh, no, don't do that. That's worse. That's far worse. Okay, sorry. Your review just isn't a Ouija like board. All right, let's put it that way. I feel Kristen's present. Fucking Derek Acor in the comments. <laughs> um, until Sunday, Chris. Where can people more often than not find you? On Twitter, trying to get retweets and favourites. Lovely. Or sometimes uh, in the K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E, room. K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E, I believe. Uh, and Lawrence, where can people find you? Great question. Um, go at Lozcast, L-O-Z-C-A-S-T. Uh, where can they find you, Adam? You can find me on Twitter at Adam Boltwood. You can also find us on YouTube at The Front Free. Good. Yeah, the Dave's going there. there. Lawrence and Dave just did a lovely video on Monday about Sanchez versus Son. A little bit of full stone analysis. It's tasty, and you should go and watch it. Best it's thing that came from it, Dave, on skateboards. Best thing that came from it was the GIF. GIF. Yeah, it's a really good GIF. Yeah. To be fair, good GIF, GIF yeah. as the creator would say. Um, guys, we will see you on Sunday. Until then, imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Have a bloody great week. Bye. Bye. Bye.